maybe this is kind of sad, but this is maybe the highlight from for, for my vacation. Obviously, seeing family was great, and that was probably the highlight. But uh, outside of that, uh, Aaron uh, is anybody like thrift stores in here? Anybody like thrift stores? Okay, Aaron is like a a thrift store like I mean, she is a thrift store Houdini. All right, like. She goes into, there's like the thrift store. You know how there's like the internet and then there's like the like the deep web? You know what I'm talking about? She like goes into the deep thrift store and finds stuff that no one else has ever found, you know? Uh, she, no joke, you guys, I'm not kidding. We went to this, we were in California and the, the wedding was happening in this like, like kind of ritzy, bitsy, coastal LA suburb, all right? And so we found a thrift store and we're like, okay, what do, what do the Pavics do on vacation? We go thrift store shopping. So uh, we went to the thrift store and no joke, we walked out of there. Erin started adding up. She started looking up what we got and the price value for all the stuff that we got. We spent $40 at this thrift store and Erin walked away with $1,000 worth of clothes. It was amazing. For 40 bucks, it was amazing. I don't know why I told that story. Uh, great job, Erin. I'm inspired, all right? Uh, Anybody have any New Year's resolutions in here? New Year's resolutions? Okay, a couple of them. All right, uh, how many people have given up on New Year's resolutions? All right, well, uh, I, uh, I found something funny on Twitter today. Uh, it was a hashtag, hashtag resolutions, uh, resolution fail, I think is what the hashtag was. And so I wanted to share some of them with you as we start this new year. Uh, so I'm trying not to complain less, but I hate it and it's stupid. All right, I thought that one was fun. Uh, next one. Orders salad, I said no bacon, not mo bacon, ate it anyway, Re resolution fail. Next one, New Year's resolution is to help all my friends gain 10 pounds so I look skinnier. <laughs> Hashtag resolution fail, all right? <laughs> Next one, Girl Scout cookie season couldn't fall in, shouldn't fall in January. Tonight's dinner, a sleeve of Thin Mints. The Girl Scouts came to my door the other day. And uh, I, I, like, peeked out the window. I'm like, who's here? Like, oh, Aaron, it's the Girl Scouts. She's like, and she goes, don't fall for it. And I, I definitely fell for it. You can't say no. You can't say no. The quality of Girl Scout cookies is, is actually not that great. It's just that you just can't say no. You know what I'm saying? All right. Uh, do we have one more? Or is that it? All right. My resolution was to make better decisions. Four days later, I got stuck in a baby swing and had to call the fire department to help get me out. Hashtag resolution fail. All right. I think that's it. Hopefully, uh, maybe you made a New Year's resolution, maybe you gave up on New Year's resolutions, but uh, a resolution is only as good as the compelling force behind it. If, uh, if we really do not authentically, genuinely want the change, if there's not something pushing us towards change, typically New Year's resolutions fail after, I think it was like 10 days or something, psychologists say, Right? But we continue to make them because we have visions of something better, visions of something greater going on in our lives. And tonight, I want us to, to make a, a, a resolution of sorts as a Chi Alpha community. Is that okay if we do that? Okay, my, my, uh, as we were praying and uh, as we were, were thinking about the semester ahead, I believe that, that God wants to do something just really unique through, through our ministry, through this community, through this body of people over the course of the next semester ahead. And I believe that there are some things that, that he wants us to do, but that if we're going to accomplish them, we're going to need to have some sort of compelling force behind them that's not just going to make them drift and go away. And that's what we're talking about tonight. What I want us to talk about is, is the fact that I believe God wants us to, to make it 
resolute in our hearts that the reason we are here, the reason this ministry exists, is to advance the kingdom of God in the city of Anchorage and on the campus of UAA. Do we believe that? Seven of you believe that. All right. That's why we're... No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't know about you, but I believe that the kingdom of God has a place to be advanced in your classes, has a place to be advanced in your workplace, has a place to be advanced in your dorm hall, in your apartment building, maybe even in your own home, amongst your friend circles, amongst your sphere of influence, amongst the people that you study with on a weekly basis, amongst the people that, that you walk by when you're going to and from class, the people that you bump into at the grocery store. Every single one of those places, I believe, God wants to advance his kingdom. And not just because we want to like, like make Chi Alpha bigger or make this ministry bigger, but because the world needs Jesus. Amen? Amen? And if your life has been changed by Jesus, you know that your life is obviously better with Jesus than it was without Jesus, both now and forevermore, right? And so obviously we should have a desire to want to tell the world about Jesus. And as we were praying over this semester, our staff, our Chi Alpha staff, really had the, had the words tenacity, invitation, and intentionality laid out on our hearts. And what, what do we mean by that? That Chi Alpha would be a place, that we would be a people of great invitation. And that we would be intentional about that invitation. And that we would be tenacious. That we would be, ten, and what does tenacity mean? It just means that you're like a, like, you guys know what tenacity means, all right? Tenacity, what I mean by that is that we would have a tenacious, tenacious, intentional, invitational ministry. That we would make it a resolution this year that we need, that, that we would have every, that we would look at, now I want you guys to write this down if you're taking notes. That we would, as a body of Christ, look at every situation as an opportunity to share the gospel. That we would look at every single opportunity to share the gospel. And if we're going to do that, we need to be tenacious, we need to be intentional, and we need to have invitational hearts in every single thing that we do. The reality is, is that every single week here on Thursday nights in Cuddy Hall, the gospel gets preached. And the reality is that every single week, small groups meet. We have multiple opportunities to invite people into the presence of God. Do you know how radically awesome of an opportunity that is? Are we tenacious and intentional about inviting someone into the presence of God? Because all of us know, if your life has been changed by Jesus, you know that it literally takes just a millisecond of a millisecond of Jesus doing his thing in someone's life to literally change everything, right? And we have the opportunity to invite people into that. So how do we develop a compelling drive that forces us to be a ministry that would look at every single situation as an opportunity to share the gospel. Now, what I'm not talking about here is I'm not talking about being Bible bashers, right? I'm not talking about, uh, you know, like, like trying to, like, uh, uh, oddly and weirdly insert Jesus into every single conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, uh, okay, I don't really understand this, this physics equation. Just like subtypes, I don't understand God, right? Like, I, I'm not talking about that, all right? If the Spirit leads, go ahead and do that, right? But, but uh, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is being intentional with your life to show people the love of Jesus. 
every single day and every single opportunity and every single interaction with every single human being. And I think that a person that was really good at this in the word of God was a guy by the name of Paul. And so we're going to look at Paul's life. A couple months ago, we actually looked at Paul's life and and uh, in a different part of the book of Philippians. And so we're going to go back to the book of Philippians and and look at a, at a little bit different portion of scripture tonight that I just think is 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 pretty awesome. And I want to introduce you to this guy named Paul. And I want to give you guys a little bit of information about where we're at in the book of Philippians. OK, so the book of Philippians was was written by Paul and uh, the. The book of Philippians is really a letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. In fact, it was written sometime around 62 or 63 AD. And we're not really sure when Paul was executed, but he was martyred. He was killed for believing in Jesus by Emperor Nero. And we're not really sure exactly when he died, but we know that he died uh, somewhere between one to three years after writing this letter. So he was in prison pretty much on, on, on death row, right? Like he, was, he had a death sentence over his life, whether he knew it or not at the point. At this point in his life, Paul was right around 60-ish years old, 64 years old, scholars say. So he had lived a really long life, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty old for that day. And so at this time, he had also preached the gospel in, at the very least, 40 major world cities at the time, not counting smaller communities and places that he traveled along the way. He had developed and planted at least somewhere between 12 to 14, maybe as many as 20 churches in his lifetime. And now, at the end of his life, God gives him a very awesome retirement package. Prison. Right? And I'm not talking about cush, plush prison. I'm talking about prison, all right? I'm talking about a nasty place to be. And in Philippians, he is writing this letter. And he writes to, the, he writes to these people, and he, he uses language that is not what I would expect as someone who is in that situation, having done all of this for the kingdom of God. And this is still his attitude near the end of his life. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. In other words, listen. Don't feel bad for me. What is happening has really been used to advance the gospel. See, Paul was someone who looked at every single opportunity, good or bad, as an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. As a result, verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. In other words, I have gotten to preach to other people that are in prison. I've gotten to preach to the guards, right? Can you imagine being the guards and having Paul show up to your prison? It's like, whoa, Paul is really serious about this Jesus thing. You know what I'm saying? Like there's got there must be something to this. And and they were probably expecting someone to come that was like had a few screw looses. You know what I mean? Looses? A few screws loose. That's what I was trying to say. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever met somebody that's just a little bit off, right? Like, yeah, this Paul guy, man, he's crazy. But then all of a sudden this guy shows up and he's like very intelligent and he's in his right mind. And he's like actually pretty darn cool and he's charismatic and he's got all these incredible stories. 
and he's telling them about Jesus, it would change your life. At the time, you couldn't just, you know, look up Paul on YouTube, right? And so, uh, so this was an amazing opportunity for the guards. He got to tell them about Jesus. Verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously. What is that saying? Essentially, he inspired people by how he was in prison, right? Well, if, man, I know it's hard to talk to my neighbor about Jesus, but my buddy Paul, man, he's in prison and he's still repping. You know what I'm talking about? And so I can rep Jesus where I'm at. He inspired people. Now listen to this. It gets way crazier, all right? It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am here for the defense of the gospel. Now listen to this. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. In other words, there was people going around preaching the gospel because they did not like Paul, and they knew if they started to preach this message that Paul was in prison for, that it was more likely to make an example out of Paul and do something bad to him. And this is, so, like, what kind of sick human beings would do something like that? You know what I'm saying? That's weird. But Paul obviously had some enemies. But now listen to what he says about it. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So even people that were just trying to make his life miserable, they were still proclaiming the name of Jesus. And he said, even though you are intentionally making my life miserable, I'm just glad that people are hearing about Jesus. Pretty amazing. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given to me by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now listen to this. This is like the, 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 the maximum craziness here. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. What, what the heck is he talking about here? What he's talking about here is he says, if I die, this current suffering is over, and I get to go be in heaven with my Savior. To die is gain, essentially. I win when I die, is what Paul says. But... Even though I'm miserable, even though this isn't good, God's got me breathing for a reason right now. And because I'm breathing, it means that I should be proclaiming the good news. And listen to what he says. Even though I'm miserable, even though I'm just, it's, it, this is a terrible situation, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you, again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. In other words, I will get to tell people about Jesus. And if God's got me breathing, it means I'm going to tell people about Jesus and it's better for you that I'm here because I'm going to get to tell you more about Jesus. You see what he's saying? Every breath, literally every breath, 
whether it was a breath of joy or a breath of misery, was a breath that Paul was looking at to use as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So what can we learn from Paul? How do we get there? Better than that, we're going to look at how do we not? We're going to look at some of the obstacles that prevent us from having this type of mentality. Because I believe that this type of mentality is what God has actually called every single follower to. And do not be discouraged if you're not there yet, right? I wish I wish I was there. I don't claim to be there, but I, I, I aspire to be more, have this heart in my life. So what stops us from doing that? Well, I believe that there are, are three perspectives that we can pull from this that, that stop us. Number one is the perspective of no vision. The perspective of no vision. You see, Paul had a vision for every single person to know Jesus. Not just like a few people, not just the people that were going to show up to church, not just the people that were going to show up to this like barbecue outreach that he was going to do, right? It's like, hey, everybody, I'm flipping burgers at the, uh, at the Areopagus in Greece, you know? Like, no, like uh, that, that, that wasn't the only people that he was going to, it was literally every single person. Listen to what he says in Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 28, we proclaim him, admonishing every, everybody say every, every man and teaching, what? Every man, is this the same, same thing? Everyone, sorry. Okay, so there you go, that's good. Uh, that's more culturally and, and gender inclusive. There you go. So he is, uh, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching every, say it, everyone with all wisdom so that we may present Everyone fully mature in Christ. Do we have the next verse? All right, never mind. That's okay. Verse 29. For this purpose, I also labor striving according to his power, which so mightily works in me. We see everyone, everyone, everyone. Paul said, no, no, no. This message is for everybody, and I'm going to I'm going to labor struggling with the energy of Christ in me all so that some, just even one more person would know Jesus. And we walked through this chapter, and we, when we walked through this passage, we saw all of those different people that in these moments Paul was able to minister to. So my question for you is, what vision, of the, of, what vision for gospel leverage do you have for this season? How are you going to leverage the opportunities that God has given you in the situations that you are in to use those places and that influence and those interactions as a way to be tenaciously intentional about inviting people into the presence of God. How are you going to do it? I can't answer that question for you. But I guarantee that you have it easier than Paul did. You're not in prison. So vision should be easier, right? Now some of you are here tonight and you say, well Steve, you... You haven't been to Ochem. <laughs> Ochem is like prison. Uh, but, uh, but the reality is, is that your class, your class that you hate, the class that you despise, the class that you're bored in, you maybe have heard me say this before, you never have to be bored again. Because I guarantee that there is someone in that class that doesn't know who Jesus is, has not had the life-saving power of Jesus explained to them in some way, has not understood the character and the nature and the love and the mercy of God, 
and has not had the Lord change something in their life that needs significant healing. And you have the opportunity to sit next to that person. You will never be bored in class ever again if you enter every single class as a missionary looking to leverage those opportunities for the cause of Christ. Amen? You know, I, I realized that uh, when I was at North Dakota State, it was, uh, it was a really cool thing. For whatever reason, and, and I think this was, this was birthed really in, 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 uh, in prayer and uh, in a group of people that decided to start praying for our campus to, to get on their hands and knees every single morning and pray for the, for the Spirit of God to move on our college campus. And, and through that, people started to get hungry for exactly what I'm describing. You see, they started to gain a vision, two, a two-part vision, a, a, a small-scale vision, not a small vision, but a small-scale vision, meaning that I realize that I have a vision for my sphere of influence, that there are people in my life that I can invite, and it's not hard to invite them. There's already something in place for me to be able to bring them to that I don't necessarily have to make a fool of myself with, Right? Steve might make a fool of himself, <laughs> but I'll let Steve do that. Uh, but I'm not going to make a fool of myself. I just get to invite them to something. And I can invite them. I can invite my sphere of influence to something. But, but this group of students at North Dakota State also had a large-scale vision. They said, what if, what if every single person decided to say that I'm going to be invitatious, tenaciously invitatious, when it comes to the things that I have around, the people that I have around me. What would happen to the movement of God? We would start to gain momentum and there'd be something that would happen. And no joke, it was, so, it was the craziest thing. In one year, I watched a Chi Alpha group. And I, was, I, was, I got to be part of this just as I was coming in. I got to be a freshman in this movement. As I watched as this group of people started to become tenacious and literally just start to invite everybody to give them the opportunity to just spend moments in the presence of God. And I watched the ministry grow from 150 souls to 350 souls in one year. It was the most amazing thing ever. Literally every single week we would come to Chi Alpha and there would be like 25 more people that showed up than the week before. The next thing you know, there was people sitting on the floor. We didn't have enough seats. There's literally people, the doors were open, and there's literally people sitting out in the hallway of the room that we met in because we didn't have enough room for everybody. All because people decided to have a small-scale vision, say, I, can, I am breathing for a reason, I have, I have influence around me, and if we do this as a movement, something great could happen, not for Chi Alpha, but for the kingdom of God. Pretty amazing. I'm going to ask you guys tonight to pray for that vision. I don't know what it is. I can't give it to you. I can't, I, I, I can't make those decisions for you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know who in your life needs Jesus, but I'm going to ask you tonight to pray for that vision. The second, the second perspective, I think, that inhibits us, once, once we have that vision, I don't think it's hard necessarily to birth that vision. It's not hard to make that resolution in our minds, Right? It's what comes after that that's the difficult part, and it's the perspective of comfort. We love our comfort, don't we? We absolutely love our comfort. And for whatever reason, 
we let that kind of sink into our vision, and all of a sudden our vision becomes a little less compelling. Our vision becomes a little less important. Our vision becomes a little less pertinent. And pretty soon we start to drift, right? Paul did not let current situations dictate his level of involvement in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. He did not let his current situations dictate his level of involvement in the kingdom of God. If he did, if he did, if he would have thrown in the towel and just said, this is a busy season, this is what the book of Philippians maybe would have sounded like, all right? So, uh, now this is not scripture. I'm just going to preface that with this, all right? But had Paul just said, oh, sorry, not going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm busy or whatever. This is what the book of Philippians would have sounded like. To all the saints in Philippi, I thank God every time I remember you. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that today I'm announcing my retirement as a missionary. I have used the gift you sent me with our brother Epaphroditus to buy myself a nice little beach home on the shores of the Mediterranean just outside of Roman jurisdiction. It is there that I will no longer have to worry about persecution or people disagreeing with my worldview. I will have plenty of time for my hobbies and have some me time. There are just some other things I just need to focus on for a while. In addition, I feel unprepared to answer all of the annoying and burdening questions of this new generation. And it has been a while since I've really felt confident that the Lord has indeed been calling me to speak to others about Jesus. Therefore, my fellow brothers and sisters, have a good life. See you never. All right? Can you imagine if you cracked open your Bible and this is what the book of Philippians looked like? Not inspiring, right? Have you ever seen those like demotivational quotes? <laughs> this, would, this would qualify. But isn't it true that this is kind of our attitude so often in our lives? That we let the comfort of our lives, we let every single other excuse, busyness, not the right timing. I'm not prepared for that. I, I just, I don't know that the Lord has spoken yet. I don't know if the Lord wants me to share Jesus with my classmates. He does. It says it in scripture. Not specifically, like Jesus didn't say, share Jesus with your biology classmates. I, but, but he said, go forth and make disciples of all nations. We don't have an option about that. I've literally probably used every single excuse in every single season of my life to try to say, ah, you know, I don't know about this. As, as a college minister, I've heard every single excuse. One of the things that, I'm just going to be real with you guys, one of the things that we, we get sometimes as a ministry is that, oh, you know, like, well, like Chi Alpha, it, it just kind of requires too much time of me. And the reality is, is I think that when we say things like that, like, oh, this, this ministry or this, the, the church stuff just requires too much time of me, I think we misinterpret the mission. The mission is not that you would grow Chi Alpha. The mission is that you would live intentionally in everything and that in doing so, you grow the kingdom of God. So, yes, if you look at it as a job, yes, it is going to be feeling overwhelmed right? 
If you look at it as something that you're tacking onto your life, it is going to feel overwhelming because what we do here in Kyalpa is we challenge all of you to live intentionally every single moment of your life. Why? Because I believe this is what Jesus has wanted us to do. And that his commands are not, not burdensome. His yoke is easy and that his burden is light. So what is stopping us? What is making, what excuse is, is, is becoming bigger than the vision that God has given us to see a campus saved and to see a city know about Jesus? What excuse has become bigger than that vision? And I think that, I think that in order to, to overcome that excuse, the third perspective needs to be maintained, and that is the perspective of our heart. See, if we have no heart for this, we miss out on it. And see, I know that this is going to sound like a simple Sunday school answer, but the reality is, is that we need to have the love of Jesus in our hearts if we're going to go and change the world for Jesus. And I know it sounds so simple and Almost elementary, but it's, but it's so true. See, chapter 2, if we skip ahead to chapter 2 in Philippians, verses 1 through 11, it says, If we have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if we have any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit, and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better. Everyone say better. better. Consider others better than yourselves. Each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests, interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who by being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself humble, taking on the very nature of his servant being made in human likeness and being founded in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because the only thing that is going to keep this from being a New Year's resolution that just dies on January 18th, that's tomorrow, by the way, the only thing that's going to keep that from, that, from being that is that if we are compelled by the love of Jesus. That we would not be encouraged by Steve. That we would not be inspired by Steve. That we would not feel equipped by Steve or by Chi Alpha. But that we would be inspired and encouraged and equipped by the love of Jesus in our hearts, moving in us and through us. And guys, I got a newsflash for you. I cannot do that for you. I can't do that for you. I can't inspire you enough to have you live the, with the love of Jesus in your life. I cannot do it. The best preaching in the entire world cannot do it. It is our responsibilities as followers of Jesus to get on our hands and knees and say, God, I, I am in desperate need of you to move in my life. Help me understand how you see the people around me. Give me your heart for people. Give me your love for people. Give me your patience for people. Give me your vision for people. Show me what it is that people need. Show me how it is that I can pray. Show me what it is how I can encourage. And when we start to do that, when that, when that compelling nature is not come from something that, it, that momentarily inspires us, but it, becomes from some, it comes from something that we literally cultivate every single day of our lives, then and only then are we actually going to make a change.
then and only then are we actually going to look at every single opportunity and look at it from the angle, how can I make the most out of this for Jesus? Guys, I can take you back to where I was. Many of you have heard this story. When, when, uh, when a senior got up and said some things about college ministry when I was a freshman, and it was just like a light bulb went off, and I said, yeah, I'm going to leverage every single opportunity that I have for the next four years at North Dakota State to make as big of an influence as I possibly can for the kingdom of God. I can take you back to where I was for the first time that I cried. I literally cried real tears over the fact that there was someone in my life that did not know Jesus. Did Steve do that? No. Did some Chi Alpha pastor conjure that up in his life? Absolutely not. It was Jesus coming into my life and saying, you know what, Steve? You have an obedient heart. That's all I've required. Now, I'm going to mush this a little bit. I'm going to mash it a little bit. It's not going to feel good, but it's going to compel you to do some really crazy things. And I'll never forget, it was shortly after that, I was, I, I was, uh, we having this, this, uh, and the worship team can come back up. Uh, I, we had this really uh, weird activity in the dorm rooms. Our RA said, you, uh, enough of you guys don't know each other. So he held this like little contest that the uh, uh, that the person who could go around the dorms and fill out uh, these like like this weird questionnaire thing about the most people it was like a conversation starter thing. It was awkward. All right. Two people participated, uh, me and one other person. But I was like going to go for it. Right. So I said, OK, I have an excuse to knock on every single door in my entire dorm room. All right. And I'm going to just say, hey, we're playing this game. The RA started it. And, uh, and so now it wasn't like Steve being lame. It was the RA being lame, all right? So I kind of like passed, I passed, the, passed the blame, you know? And, uh, and I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to invite every single person on my dorm floor to my small group. And I did that. And you know how many people came? Two, all right? One, give me a little bit more credit than that. Two people came. One of them was a guy by the name of Jordan Gaylor. And Jordan didn't know Jesus at all at the time. And when Jordan showed up, man, he was, he was pretty raw, right? He didn't really know how to act in church or any type of church settings or anything like that. And we loved him, and that was okay. We just loved having him come. And Jordan, that year, accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And later on, grew with Jesus, became a small group leader within Chi Alpha, started telling other people about Jesus, discipling other men. Eventually, God called him into ministry. And Jordan is actually a pastor today. And not that that's the end goal. Okay, you don't have to all become pastors, all right? But the reason I share that story is because there was just, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't Steve that came up with this really creative idea. It was just this, this, this idea that, man, how can, I, how can I make the most of this really awkward opportunity for the kingdom of God? And the people who are good at this, the people who have, 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 have this on the forefront of their minds, we probably all know them, right? I challenge you to, to, to meet someone that doesn't know who Tate is, all right? And uh, some of you are like, I don't know who Tate is, Steve, all right? But the reality is, is that you can, if you talk to 10 people on campus, probably at least three or four of them know who Tate is and have been invited to Chi Alpha by Tate, all right? It's true. 
Why does Tate do that? Because he's annoying? No, all right? Has Tate probably annoyed some people? Yeah, probably you have, Tate. I don't know where you're at. That's okay. All right, oh, Tate, you're up here. Hi, Tate. All right, that's awkward. Sorry, buddy. But the reality is, is that Tate is a guy who understands that he has a vision for this campus. And that vision compels him to overcome the comfort level of saying, okay, I don't want to step on people's toes. I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to do all this stuff. And the love of Jesus compels Tate to say, man, Jesus has changed my life. Jesus encountered me on a Thursday night. And I believe that Jesus can encounter someone else on a Thursday night. So yeah, I'm going to invite him. It'd be stupid not to. If you know uh, a, uh, a young lady by the name of Courtney Schumann, she describes herself as an aggressive friend, all right? But you see, Courtney is not just an aggressive friend just for the sake of being an aggressive friend. She's an aggressive friend because she has a vision for people's life because she knows the power of Jesus and she wants Jesus for that person. And she looks at opportunities as ways, as ways to, to tell people about Jesus, right? And Courtney decided that, uh, that uh, she was going to enter pageants. And, uh, and when she entered those pageants, she had to have a talent. And one of her talents she chose that she was going to share her testimony and share about what Jesus has done in her life. And people told her, Courtney, you're never going to win if you talk about Jesus. Well, today she's Miss Alaska, all right? So she did win. And that's not the point of the story, all right? All right? God's not, God's not going to make you miss Alaska if you do all this stuff, all right? But here's the deal. is The point of the story is that Courtney, the reason I, one of the things I love about Courtney is that Courtney looks to leverage every single opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, to love someone well, and to have someone, the people in her life, experience who Jesus is. I think that's pretty awesome. So here's what we're going to do tonight. You just bow your head, close your eyes. I want to give us a chance to respond. If you're here tonight and and maybe you, you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him, but you'd like to, you'd like to, you'd like to uh, accept what, what he did for you through dying on a cross for you, for your sins, or maybe you had a relationship with him in the past, but but it has since just grown cold and distant, and tonight you'd say, this is it, I'm coming back. If that's you tonight, just raise a hand in this place. Is that anybody that wants to make that decision? All right. Awesome. Anybody else? All right, if you raise your hand to that question, I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer. And really what we're doing here is we're just saying, Jesus, I, you're, you're saying sorry to God that you've sinned, and you're accepting the fact that Jesus has forgiven you for all of that stuff. And you're giving him your life because he paid it all. That's what we're doing. So let's pray. Lord, I realize that I have sinned and that my sin has separated me from you. But tonight I'm accepting your forgiveness that you made available to me through dying on the cross. And I am giving you my life and making you in charge of my life. I am turning from my old ways 
and asking for strength to live for you for the rest of my life. Amen. Awesome. If you made that decision, I or my wife would love to chat with you after the service. But my next question is simply this. It, if you are here and you say, yeah, I want to leverage every opportunity for Jesus, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to, to, raise, to raise a hand in here. Because this is between you and God. This can, I don't want this to be an emotional decision. I don't want this to be Steve twisting your arm. I want this to just be you making a decision to say, God, give me a vision. Help my comfort not be bigger than that vision. And give me your heart. Give me your heart. And I believe that God's going to lay people on, on, just like start to lay people on your heart. Lay, speak to you about people. Maybe you just start thinking about someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you start thinking about a specific class that you're taking or a coworker or whatever it might be. And maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but has it, has it been a while since you've cultivated it? Since you've stirred that up and said, God, I, I believe that, that, that if we need to cultivate this in our lives, we need to stir it up. We need to, we need to continually say, okay, God, I'm going to come back and I'm going to allow you to, 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 to stir me in this area a little bit. And so I think this is for every single follower tonight. You just have to make the decision. Jesus, do this. And so we're going to take the next few moments to just allow God to do his thing. And I believe God's going to give you a vision, both on a small scale and on a large scale, and that he's going to break your heart for the lost tonight. I believe it. And that he's going to give you tenacity so that you can be intentionally invitational all semester long. We're going to take a little longer tonight to, to spend time in this last worship part, so feel free to get comfortable. If you need us to get to the back, get away from distractions, if you want to find a space up here, you can find a space up here to come kneel down, to come whatever. But we're just going to turn this entire room into just a prayer area. If there's anything specific that you need prayer for, maybe you had a really rough Christmas, something happened over Christmas, and you could really use someone to give you a hug, pray for you, or whatever, we're going to be available in the back to do that. But I'm just going to let this moment be between you and the Lord. So God, be with us. Break our hearts, Lord. Would you do this? In Jesus' name, amen.